Now is the time to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. It is time to beat up prosecutors you don't like at the voting booth. Well, I don't know why I uh, Thanks, Killer Mike. I got the feeling that something right. With you 100%. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Out in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe, even during pandemics and protests, on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for uh, another insane episode of the Bradcast. And they just keep getting insaner, insaner by the day. Uh, thank you for uh, being here with us. Hope you survived the weekend. Look, before uh, this gets lost again, let me just uh, toss this in here very quickly. Desi Doyen, I know you, you're eager for me to move on, get to calls, etc. <laughs> well, we do have a lot to cover. We have today. a lot to cover, but uh, voters are voting, hopefully, across the country on Tuesday, June 2nd in presidential and other primary elections, yes, amid pandemics and protests, in Indiana, Maryland, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Dakota, uh, Washington, D.C., as well as uh, a, a number of other states which are holding elections uh, that are not presidential primary elections, municipal elections and so forth. Uh, so please do your best to be safe, but please do vote if you can. We will have noteworthy results as they come in in the days of he- in in the days ahead. I'm just getting this alert from uh, Pennsylvania, of course. Uh, well, Pennsylvania now has absentee balloting, balloting, but apparently. Tons of ballots haven't gotten to voters or are just being sent out today, and they're due tomorrow. So it looks to me like uh, Governor Tom Wolf has just announced that there will be a seven-day extension for those ballots to arrive. 
Lord only knows how the Republicans are going to challenge that. But in any in any event, fight like hell to vote in those states and also fight like hell to, to uh, stay safe. But of course, given the uh, events of the weekend, I want to start here today. The administration's defense secretary on Friday characterized widespread looting as a period of, quote, untidiness and suggested it was only a transitional phase on the way to freedom, according to AP. He said, while no one condones looting, on the other hand, one can understand the pent-up feelings that may result from decades of repression. Now, I'm sorry I couldn't find the audio for this, but this was a, a remarkably thoughtful commentary from the Secretary of Defense. He said, if you go from a repressive regime, it's a police state where people are murdered and imprisoned by the tens of thousands. And then you go to something other than that. You go through a transition period. While no one condones looting, on the other hand, one can understand the pent up feelings that may result from decades of repression and people who have had members of their family killed by the regime. He suggested that many of the television images beamed around the world showing acts of looting were uh, which were being shown repeatedly uh, and that they were exaggerating the effect. Even so, he said, looting is a common problem worldwide at times and in places where law enforcement has broken down. Stuff happens, he said. Fair enough. Though those surprising remarks from a Republican secretary of state on Friday were actually from Friday, April 11, 2003. And the Secretary of Defense was Don Rumsfeld, just after American troops had taken over Baghdad in one of the many wars that we launched following 9-11 on countries that had nothing to do with that terror attack on 9-11. But good to know, good to know that looting is understandable after pent-up, quote, pent-up feelings that may result from decades of repression. I'm glad to know there's some, some uh, Republicans who understand that. He was asked by a reporter if newspapers using the words anarchy and lawlessness uh, to describe the endless loops seen on news channels of people looting in Baghdad. If those words anarchy and lawlessness were ill chosen, he said, absolutely ill chosen. He said, I picked up a newspaper today. I couldn't believe it. I read eight headlines that talked about chaos, violence, unrest, and it was just henny penny. The sky is falling. I've never seen anything like it, he said. He said, here are people who are going from being repressed and held under the thumb of a vicious dictator, and they're free. And all this newspaper could do with eight or ten headlines. It's just unbelievable how people can take that away from what is happening in that country. Well, I guess you uh, I guess it's all uh, what you see and how you see it at the time. I guess some in this country see looting differently in some cases than they may see it in other countries. Now, I don't tend to spend a lot of time watching the cable and local news coverage of these largely uh, peaceful protests and the mayhem that has been following many of them. I tend to see all of it as uh, disaster porn, or in this case, protest porn, uh, if only because of the endless news loops of the mayhem, which overshadows both the largely peaceful nature of most of the demonstrations and tends to focus on the chaos of a of a fire burning uh, out of control at a Starbucks as if the entire town is burning down. 
That was the case, for example, in Long Beach, California, out here in Southern California on Sunday, where thousands and thousands of peaceful uh, demonstrators took to the streets. They were largely ignored by the local news entirely until a men's suit warehouse was set on fire at night. And then, of course, local stations, cable stations, they went wall to wall with coverage of the fire as if Long Beach itself was burning. It wasn't. One store was. And yes, there was mayhem and looting there and in stores in Santa Monica here in Southern California and elsewhere around the country. But as Don Rumsfeld said, stuff happens. And while no one condones looting, on the other hand, one can understand the pent up feelings that may result from decades of repression. Am I right, Don Rumsfeld? So I guess it depends on what you see and how you look at it. And, of course, what the corporate media allows you to see or decides to show on endless loops. Over at uh, Washington Post on Friday, Karen Atta, editor of the paper's Global Opinion section, offered an eye-opening take on all of this. If we talked about what is happening in Minneapolis the same way we talk about events in a foreign country, she wrote... Here's how the Western media would cover it. Now, she notes that the quotes and and those quoted in this piece are all fictional, but except for the actual quotes from the president of the United States and the White House, those are real. So here's how Western media might write about the U.S. right now if it wasn't the U.S. From someone who, by the way, writes and edits uh, such pieces about other countries every day. In recent years, the international community has sounded the alarm on the deteriorating political and human rights situation in the United States under the regime of Donald Trump. Now, as the country marks 100,000 deaths from the coronavirus pandemic, the former British colony finds itself in a downward spiral of ethnic violence. The fatigue and paralysis of the international community are evident in its silence, American America experts say. The country has been rocked by several viral videos depicting extrajudicial executions of black ethnic minorities by state security forces. Uprisings erupted in the northern city of Minneapolis after a video circulated online of the killing of a black man, George Floyd, after being attacked by a security force agent. Trump took to Twitter calling the black protesters thugs and threatened to send in military force. When the looting starts, the shooting starts, he declared. And yes, he actually did declare that. Sure, we get it that black people are angry about decades of abuse and impunity, said G. Scott Fitz, a Minnesotan and member of the white ethnic majority. But going after a target crosses the line. Can't they find a more peaceful way, like kneeling in silence? Ethnic violence has plagued the country for generations, and decades ago it captured the attention of the world. But recently, the news coverage and concern are waning as there seems to be no end in sight to the oppression. These are ancient, inexplicable hatreds fueling these ethnic conflicts and inequality, said Andrea Dulik, a foreign correspondent. Britain usually takes an acute interest in the affairs of its former colony, but it has also been affected by the novel coronavirus. We've seen some setbacks with the virus, but some Brits 
see the rising disease, staggering unemployment and violence in the states and feel as if America was never really ready to govern itself properly. That it would resort to tribal politics, according to Andrew Darcy Morthington, a London-based America expert. Trump, a former reality TV host, beauty pageant organizer and businessman once called African nations S-hole countries, but he is now taking a page from African dictators who spread bogus health remedies like Yaya Jamne of, Gamb- of Gambia, who claimed that he could cure AIDS with bananas and herbal potions and pushed his treatment onto the population, resulting in deaths. Trump appeared to suggest injecting bleach and using sunlight to kill the coronavirus. He also said he has taken hydro- uh, hydroxychloroquine, a drug derived from quinine, a long-known jungle remedy for malaria. Doctors have advised against using the treatment to prevent or treat the coronavirus. Meanwhile, Americans desperate to flee will face steep challenges to cross borders as mismanagement of the coronavirus and ethnic tensions in the country have made them undesirable visitors. Some nations are considering offering black Americans special asylum. Mustafa Okongo A Nairobi-based anthropologist said, quote, members of the white ethnic majority are forming armed militia groups, demanding their freedom to go back to work for the wealthy class who refer to workers as human capital stock, despite the huge risk to workers, he said. This is a throwback to the days when slavery was the backbone of the American economy. Black slaves were the original essential workers. And they were treated as non-human stock. Yes, by the way, uh, White House Senior Economic Advisor Kevin Hassett actually did refer to our, quote, human capital stock as being ready to go back to work last week. Back to the Washington Post. Africa could be an ideal asylum destination as several African countries have managed to contain the coronavirus outbreak through aggressively early measures and innovations in testing kits. Senegal, a nation of 16 million, has only seen 41 deaths. Everyone predicted Africa would fall into chaos, Okongo said. It is proof that being a black person in this world doesn't kill you, but being a black person in America clearly can Around the world, grassroots organizations, celebrities, human rights activists, and even students are doing what they can to raise money and awareness about the dire situation in America. Charlotte Johnson, an 18-year-old Liberian student activist who survived the Ebola pandemic, said, It's sad that the Americans don't have a government that can get them coronavirus tests or even monthly checks to be able to feed their families adding that 100,000 people are now dead. Cities are burning and the country hasn't had a day of mourning? Lives don't matter, especially not black lives. It's like they're living in a failing state. Washington Post Global Opinions Editor Karen Atta on how the Western media would cover America if it covered if it covered it the way we cover other, yes, failing states. So... Uh, Our view of the last several days, last several weeks, last several years, and even generations is skewed by what we see and how we see it and how the media helps us to see it or helps us to not see it. So I'd love to know what you have been seeing over the past few days and how you see it. 
I'll open up the phone lines in a little bit. My number is 818-985-5735 if you want to share what you have seen over this last troubling weekend, whether you were uh, taking part in the demonstrations here in Los Angeles or elsewhere around the country, uh, up in Minneapolis, whether you were glued to the uh, protest porn on TV while uh, staying safe at home to avoid the coronavirus or inside due to curfews that are now being issued at night around the country. Hours here in L.A. County on Sunday night came with uh, about just 30 minutes of notice to get clear from the streets by 6 p.m. on Sunday night. Now, after our uh, Friday broadcast, Uh, which you can download for free anytime at bradblog.com. I interviewed Kentucky's um, farmer and teacher Mike Breuer, who is now running a progressive candidacy for the Democratic U.S. Senate nomination in Kentucky in hopes of ousting Mitch McConnell this November. I talked to him about the seven protesters who were mysteriously shot in Louisville Last Thursday night, one critically by someone somehow who has still not been apprehended and as law enforcement officials say that they did not fire any rounds at all that night. So who shot those seven protesters? AP reported a separate incident in Detroit that evening after we got off the air. One person was killed in downtown Detroit after someone in an SUV fired shots into a crowd of people protesting George Floyd's death in Minneapolis uh, custody. That, according to the Detroit police on Saturday. Meanwhile, back in in, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, on Sunday night, early morning, one man was shot and killed when police and the National Guard opened fire following a violent confrontation between a group that was gathered in a parking lot and law enforcement trying to disperse the crowd. So one of them had to be killed. Democratic Governor Andy Bashir said in a statement on Monday that he uh, authorized the Kentucky State Police to independently investigate that fatal shooting, quote, given the seriousness of the situation. Metro Police Chief Steve Conrad said that after another night of destructive protests over the fatal police shooting of 26-year-old emergency medical technician Brianna Taylor in Louisville, yes, that's what they were protesting, Another killing of, a, of another black American. She was killed after police broke down her door in the middle of the night as she slept in mid-March. So they were protesting both the death of Breonna Taylor and the death of George Floyd. After that, the Kentucky National Guard and Louisville police were dispatched. But as the agencies began trying to disperse a large crowd, someone in the crowd fired at the officers and soldiers, according to the Metro Police Chief. Both the National Guard and Louisville Police then returned fire, killing one man at the scene. The fatal shooting is likely to further inflame tensions in Louisville, where protesters have been demanding justice in the death of the unarmed 26-year-old Taylor. Washington Post notes that uh, the shooting followed the incident during uh, protests on Thursday night when someone opened fire from within a large crowd, injuring seven demonstrators. But no one has been arrested yet in that shooting that we talked about on Friday. I saw a video of a white man in Minneapolis on the first night of protests there last week. Before there was any looting or tear gas or fires, he was wearing a gas mask that covered his entire face. 
along with a black jacket and a black umbrella that was opened up over his head, even though it was not raining outside. But it did help to cover his face from cameras as he calmly walked down the sidewalk by himself with a hammer by his side, casually and discreetly smashing one window after another after another at the Minneapolis AutoZone store as protesters tried to stop him from doing that and figure out why the hell he was doing it. I saw Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, who has now been tasked with uh, taking over the prosecution of the now former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, one of the officers who killed George Floyd by sitting with his knee on his neck for nine excruciating minutes. Keith Ellison tweeted the video of that white man with the gas mask and the umbrella and the hammer smashing one window after another as protesters tried to stop him. Ellison added, along with his tweet of the video, quote, This man doesn't look like any civil rights protester I have ever seen. Looks like a provocateur. Can anyone ID him? To my knowledge, he has yet to be ID'd. I saw video from the CBS affiliate in Atlanta of Fulton County police officials tasing an absolutely terrified young black woman and a young black man who were sitting peacefully in their cars as they were, uh, for some reason, surrounded by cops in military gear and terrorized on Saturday night. CNN's Bill Weir reported the cops flattened their tires before smashing open their windows and tasering the girl and dragging them out of the car, and all of it was caught on live videotape. I saw cops in New York City on horseback running over a young woman who was standing peacefully with a protest sign, trampled by the horse as he rode over her. It did not appear to be an accident. I saw the Columbus, Ohio City Council President and Franklin County Commissioner and an African-American U.S. Congresswoman, Joyce Beatty, talking about being sprayed with mace or pepper spray during a protest in downtown Columbus on Saturday. I saw video of cops in Minneapolis marching down a quiet neighborhood just after curfew over the weekend next to an armored Humvee in a quiet, peaceful neighborhood. No one on the streets. They were being taped by someone who was on her porch with an iPhone. The officers yelled at her to get inside the house and then almost immediately began riddling her with rubber bullets for reasons I cannot even begin to explain. I saw a City University of New York professor, Angus Johnston, on Twitter, retweeting one report after another after another from journalists who themselves were shot with rubber bullets or pepper spray or arrested, or roughed up while covering this dystopian American nightmare. I saw the Washington Post report many of those incidents on Sunday morning, and reportedly there were more than a hundred of them. MSNBC's Ali Velshi knew almost immediately what happened when he felt a sharp pain in his leg Saturday night in Minneapolis. Washington Post reports he'd been hit with a rubber bullet fired by police. Velshi who has been a guest on this show and suffered minor bruises. Um, he was one of the one of at least a dozen journalists injured in cities across America, the Post reports this weekend, including a photographer, a photographer who was permanently blinded in one eye as police fired rubber bullets, pepper spray and tear gas as reporters were doing their supposedly First Amendment protected jobs. 
Not since the 1960s, when the nation was racked by civil rights demonstrations, anti-war protesters and urban riots, has uh, the press been embroiled in so much violence on American shores. In several cases, reporters appear to have been swept up in indiscriminate efforts by authorities to disperse crowds. But in a number of incidents, journalists were injured, harassed or arrested even after identifying themselves as reporters. Later on Saturday, for example, Velshi said his and another TV crew were confronted by police in a nearly deserted parking lot and informed and informed them that they were news media. We don't care, Velshi said the police told him before opening fire. Joel Simon, executive director of the Committee to Protect Journalists, said he had never seen anything quite like this. In one case this weekend, it was protesters who targeted journalists. The Fox News crew was punched and harassed outside the White House early Saturday, and a crowd defaced the facade of CNN headquarters in Atlanta. But much of what has transpired against reporters was perpetrated by police. CNN cameraman Lionel Mendez and producer Bill Kirkos were both hit by rubber bullets and they were covering the street as they were covering the street protests in Minneapolis on Saturday. A day earlier, Mendez and Kirkos were arrested with the correspondent Omar Jimenez in an incident that was carried live over the network. As we noted last week when we reported it, Jimenez is black Latino. A colleague of his at CNN Uh, about a block away, was confronted by police, but allowed to carry on after he showed him his credentials. That colleague was a white reporter. Vice News reporter Michael Anthony Adams shouted nearly a dozen times that he was a member of the media as police in Minneapolis poured out of a van and yelled for people to leave. I don't care, said one officer, ordering Adams to the ground as Adams lay face down, showing the press badge he was hit by a blast of pepper spray. That exchange was caught on camera. L.A. Times reporter Molly Hennessy Fisk wrote that several journalists in Minneapolis shouted press and waved credentials, but were nonetheless cornered and chased by police spraying tear gas and firing rubber bullets. One hit her photographer in the face. She said, I didn't realize it, but I was bleeding from several wounds to my legs. Blood covered the mask of the reporter next to me who was so stunned that someone had to tell him he was hurt. Reuters TV cameraman Julio Cesar Chavez was filming police about 8 p.m. on Saturday when they began firing. I've been hit in the face by a rubber bullet, he said on camera. A Reuters security advisor also suffered injuries. Journalists weren't even safe in their cars. Minneapolis Star Tribune reporter Ryan Faircloth had blood running down his face as he said on camera that he was just trying to get out of the area when a police tear gas round shattered a car window. He was hit in the face and arm. In some parts of the country, police detained journalists, including Huffington Post reporter Christopher Matthias, who wore a press badge while on assignment to cover the protests there in Brooklyn. In Michigan, Detroit Free Press senior news director Jim Schaefer said on Twitter that several of his reporters were pepper sprayed by police and an officer slapped a live stream camera out of the hand of a photographer as she tried to do her job. This is not okay," said Schaefer. This goes on and on and on. Here in Los Angeles, KCRW uh, journalist uh, Cerise Castle tweeted a photo of the rubber bullets that she said police fired at her. 
I spoke with uh, KPFK News Director Ernesto Arce earlier today. Uh, he said he saw all of this. He saw people, he saw uh, 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 journalists being uh, shot at, uh, roughed up. He saw one of those provocateurs with a sledgehammer walking down the street and smashing windows who was not one of the protesters. Here in the U.S., uh, the cops targeted the media, and they did not care if it was caught on camera. as, As if someone had convinced them that the media are the enemy of the people. Here in L.A. on Sunday night, I saw National Guardsmen standing on each corner around uh, two blocks from where I live, standing next to their camouflaged Humvees with automatic rifles by their side, something I have never seen in my 25 years living in Hollywood. One of the drivers inside one of the Humvees waved to us as we drove past as if to say, it's okay, we really don't want to be here. We mean no harm. But maybe I just chose to see it that way. Meanwhile, back in Minneapolis... On Sunday night, on a day when thousands of protesters marched peacefully, a near disaster struck just after 6 p.m. A tanker, a tanker truck driver seen on video scattered a crowd of thousands gathered on the 35 West Bridge in Minneapolis. Witnesses on the bridge over the Mississippi River said dozens of marchers were sitting or had taken a knee for a moment of silence when the truck sped up, came hurtling towards them, running over bicycles and protest signs, and it stopped finally halfway across the bridge. Demonstrators swarmed the cab and appeared to drag the driver out of the cab. Minnesota police closed in and took the driver who was injured into custody. The uh, Minnesota man was being held on probable cause for assault. Officials said between five and 6,000 people were on the bridge at that time. The state patrol uh, are investigating the incident as a criminal matter. Twin Cities freeways were closed to traffic at the time. The state's corrections uh, commissioner said at a later briefing that the truck went around a traffic barrier to stay on the road. Drew Val, a special education teacher in Minneapolis, Washburn High School, said cars still driving on the roadway were going slowly to the right of the throngs of people on the bridge when the truck came speeding towards the marchers. He wasn't stopping. He was beeping loudly and driving into a crowd of people, said Val, visibly shaken. That's the same kind of malice that brought us here, he said. It's a callous disregard for someone's humanity. Melanie Ramos of Minneapolis said it was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Charles Adams of Chicago was visiting his daughter in Minneapolis and joined one of the marches. He said, I was really impressed by the solidarity and the peacefulness of it. I hope we would look in the mirror and realize this is a real thing and address it. I saw Matthew Decim's headline at, uh, at Slate on Saturday night. It read, Police Erupt in Violence Nationwide. Sounds about right. Here was the lead. The ongoing protests following the killing of George Floyd were caught up in violence again on Saturday as police all over the country tear-gassed protesters, drove over vehicles through crowds, opened fire with non-lethal rounds on journalists or people on their own property, and in at least one instance pushed over an elderly man who was walking away with a cane. He then went on to embed a long list of tweets documenting The American carnage, 
which he describes as just some of the ways that law enforcement officers escalated the national unrest. That's what I saw. What did you see? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. If you were at the protest, I'd love to hear from you. If you were safe at home watching protest porn on all of the cable and local stations, I'd also love to hear from you. What did you see and how do you see it? 818-985-KPFK. I saw Brian Merchant, senior editor at Vice Motherboard, tweet, quote, Don't forget, all this police violence... The assaulted protesters, a young woman shoved so hard she was sent to the ER, a couple tased while they sat in their car, a journalist blinded by a rubber bullet, was perpetrated to prevent a few retailers from seeing property damaged. Keep that in mind. Give us a call. 818-985-5735. We'll get to as many folks as we can today. Um... I also saw someone retweet the former Democratic Secretary of State, uh, Democratic Secretary of State in Missouri, Jason Kander. He retweeted. uh, He was retweeted by someone along with the words, a different response is possible. As Kander had noted in his tweet, quote, there was no arrests or looting during the demonstrations in Kansas City on Friday. He said this incredible picture of Kansas City police is a clue why. It showed two uniformed Kansas City police, a black officer and a white officer, holding up a handwritten poster together that simply read, End Police Brutality. There was a sign posted in New York City reading, Please know the protest came here twice, peacefully. Hours later, a small group of people trashed Second and St. Mark's. Agitators are not protesters. Let's take a quick break and come back with your calls, what you saw over the weekend, and how you see it. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Our freedom of speech is freedom of death. We got to fight the powers that be. Fight the power. Fight the power. Fight the power. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. So, yeah, I guess it all depends on how you see it. What did you see over the past weekend of demonstrations, and how do you see it? We'll uh, go to your calls here. I have I have a lot more. I have a tons more, but I'd rather talk to you, uh, including, by the way, some uh, some great comments from the uh, chief of police in Atlanta who had her cops stand down, and she was standing among the crowds listening, listening to the demonstrators. Can you imagine such a thing? Maybe we'll get to some of that later, but let's get to some of your calls first. Uh, let me go to uh, Karen in Oakland, California. Hey, Karen, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah. Hi, uh, good, good afternoon. Uh, first of all, I enjoyed that article you read from a Jacobin magazine. 
At the top of the hour? uh, Just now at the top of the hour? No, that was actually, uh, well, the piece about Rumsfeld was from uh, 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 Associated Press, and the second piece was from Washington Post, believe it or not. Okay, okay, it sounded more like a far-left piece, but that that was great. Anyway, uh, I live near Flint in a suburb, and uh, I actually witnessed uh, smash-and-grab vandalism Last night at the uh, local uh, mini outlet mall, there were uh, the, the like drag racing inside the parking lot, and then I saw a group of uh, people uh, already trying to uh, you know, uh, vandalize uh, one of the clothing stores there, mm-hmm. and they finally managed to get in, get into one of them, and uh, and uh, grab grab as much clothing as possible. And uh, the, there were police there, but they were just uh, parked in the parking lot, no mm-hmm. arrests, uh, nothing. They just let the uh, uh, those uh, people uh, do this thing. And I noticed that uh, none of them were white. I don't know if that, that mean, meant anything. Uh, a lot of shopping centers here, uh, they were boarded up because of the curfew. There was a fire at the biggest shopping center, and also the local Walmart was torched. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate that uh, call. 818-985-5735. Oh, we do have to check in with uh, our friend Roger in Minneapolis. Uh, Hey, Roger, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Uh, Boy, uh, has your hometown uh, made some news and not in a good way over the past week or so. Indeed. Um, Brad, I am now beginning my 13th week of isolation because of my vulnerability and probable uh, uh, loss of life should I be exposed to this virus. And I've been devoting a great deal of attention in the last week to uh, what's been going on here. Um, I am, uh, I happen to know the places that have been destroyed Mm -hmm. intimately. Mm -hmm. And um, we've lost a significant, important part of our truly multi-ethnic cultural base in the Twin Cities, because Mm -hmm. most of the businesses that have been targeted are ones owned by ethnic uh, minorities, and um, they represent far more than losses of retailers. It's really um, quite something else. Um, it is important also to be aware of this. Um, I can testify firsthand and am in contact with many others who have managed to get photographic evidence, etc., um, physical evidence, finding um, piles of wood soaked with kerosene and other accelerants positioned in alleyways all through neighborhoods that I know intimately, mm-hmm. one of which my wife and uh, uh, one of my children live in. Um, this uh, is quite, uh, quite startling, this whole experience. And, and th- the thing that really gets me is that what we see is the federal government, at least the administration part of it, pivoting its gun against the people by trying to paint the um, protest, uh, the, the, the activities here as being the consequence of right-wing um, militia, I mean, left-wing militia or Antifa yep. type. Mm-hmm. 
The fact is we have it on very good collective observation that the great majority of the arson that has occurred has been being done by uh, people with unmarked vehicles handling themselves in an extremely systematic manner. And um, uh, what we see is um, a move, I believe, quite consciously towards a militarization of the police. There, there is a seizing of this as a pretext for moving the country towards the kind of condition, exacerbated, no doubt, by COVID-19, um, that creates a nightmare scenario for the upcoming election. Roger, I think um, that we have been, uh, you say, moving towards militarization. That move is done. We have moved in that direction over the past at least uh, 20 years at this point. Um, well, this is, but, this is the big self yeah. now. Well, it may or may not be. Roger, I got, I got tons of folks here who want to ring thank, in. Yeah. And so I, wanna, I said everything yeah. I wanted to, Brad. Thank All you right. so much. No, thank you, Roger. Stay safe up there in Minneapolis. I know you're in your house, so you probably are going to stay safe. So uh, thanks for checking in. Greatly appreciate it. 818-985-5735 is our phone numbers. I want to get back to your calls uh, very shortly. But as we are live right now in Los Angeles, uh, as I've been and talking, uh, coming over the uh, wire here, a bunch of uh, public safety alerts and announcements, including that the county of Los Angeles, countywide, is ordering another curfew for Monday night now at 6 p.m. Uh, on Monday night until 6 a.m. on Tuesday. There are some earlier uh, curfews elsewhere within L.A. County. It looks like Beverly Hills uh, is beginning its citywide curfew from 4 p.m. on Monday night until 5.30 a.m. on Tuesday. Um, these are changing, uh, but they're all coming in very quickly. The city of Los Angeles itself is declaring that a curfew will be in place from 8 p.m. tonight. However, with the county uh, declaring a curfew beginning at 6 p.m. I'm pretty sure the city of L.A. is in the county of L.A., uh, so uh, that is at least by 6 p.m. Uh, countywide and probably earlier in other cities and locales around the county. And as you were talking, uh, the county has now changed the citywide, the countywide curfew to 5 p.m. So it was 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. It has just now, now been changed 5 PM. to 5 p.m. to 6 a.m. All right. Uh, be careful out there, America. By the way, uh, Desi, you say that uh, Donald Trump was speaking, uh, knowing him. He probably he still is. He has not yet. Oh, he has not, not yet? Started okay. yet. They've uh, just sent out a warning. Uh, Associated Press sent out a warning that President Trump will be speaking at the Rose Garden, White House Rose Garden, Rose Garden momentarily. But um, the, so warning, far, they haven't done anything. Warning, <laughs> I think, is a good word yeah. uh, for this when Donald Trump is about to speak. As AP is reporting that police are firing tear gas and deploying flashbangs to disperse peaceful protests near the White House ahead of a planned Rose Garden speech by Donald Trump. Can't have flashbangs going on in the background of his speech. That won't look good. Yeah, and you wouldn't it, want to have people yelling in the background because, God forbid, people should hear the voice of the people. And they should find out that America did not turn out to be great again after all. Imagine that. Uh, we uh, will not be carrying his remarks live because he is a liar and a misinformer. However, if there is any news 
of note from this guy that isn't meant to simply distract the country in order to help his reelection chances. Uh, we will monitor that and uh, we will let you know if there is any fact based information coming from the president of the United States. Uh, let's get to some more of your calls. Uh, Peter in Pomona. Hey, welcome to the broadcast, Peter. Hi, Brad. Thanks for and Desi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I had a uh, protest yesterday with my wife and our neighbor mm-hmm. in the city of Hemet, mm-hmm. and we were there for about an hour and a half. It was rel- It was extremely uh, uniform. We had one of our local football coaches organizing the whole thing. Uh-huh. Everyone was peaceful. Mm-hmm. There was only one Hemet police that was in the parking lot, and they were far off in the back. And the only kind of law enforcement we saw was the local security company. They were across the street with six of their cars, lights flashing, watching us the whole time. Mm-hmm. And and we left around 6.30. Like I said, it was peaceful. Mm-hmm. Then supposedly someone drove up and instigated the protesters. They, they screamed out, Trump 2020. And that got everyone riled up. And then all of a sudden, that's where when the riot started. Um, unfortunately, the news never talked about that. All they did was talk about the rioters and the protests being unpeaceful. Yep, I know. They they don't talk about how it began, and they focus over and over again on the worst of these protests, the worst effects, uh, you know, after the after it's happened, after the effect. Uh, thank you for being there, for uh, speaking out in uh, Hammett. Over the weekend, Peter, and for uh, reporting what actually went on there. It's greatly appreciated. Let me take a quick break here, and we will come back with uh, more of your calls. I know a lot of you want to get in, so try to make your comments quick. We'll get to as many of, uh, of you folks as we possibly can as we roll forward in this American dystopia, in this extraordinary moment in U.S. history. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? This is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart is the beating of the cross, there is a light about to stop and to bow. Yeah! Welcome back. 
It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, taking your calls at 818-985-5735. What are you seeing out there? 818-985-KPFK. What did you see over the weekend? What does it mean to you? Aaron in Hollywood. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the Bradcast. Oh, Aaron. I'm okay. How are you, sir? Uh, great, great. So I see, what I'm seeing is order out of chaos, you know, and, and they need the chaos. So I wanted to mention something to you that I, probably no one's met, met, mentioned it to you before. Okay. Study the video, study the video of the guy who, who was killed, and notice who comes out of that paramedic uh, truck and puts him on the gurney. It's two police officers with uh, with guns on their side, and they got um, and they got bulletproof vests. Bulletproof vests on. Paramedics don't wear bulletproof vests, and they don't have guns. The hmm. way they popped them on the gurney and just drove off. That was done for the camera. Notice how steady the camera was. Hmm. I mean, if you're in danger, you're moving around. Your life is in danger. You're not. You're not keeping a steady cam like that. So I, I don't even think that. I basically think a lot of this chaos is being cited and put, we're being pushed into it. Because that's how they're gonna they're gonna get their their new world order type of police state with a. So you're 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 suggesting, Aaron, that all of this is being staged in order to uh, foment maximum outrage. When people are about to suffer, they go for it. They try to get loose. Really, they, go, they do that last struggle to get loose. He never did that last struggle. You do with the guy when you're suffocating, and he was he was saying, "I can't breathe too clearly." Someone who's suffocating to death. That's my opinion. I've worked in Hollywood. I know how well people can act. But anyway, uh, is, uh, is he, is he dead? Aaron, is, is George Floyd dead? What's that? Is George Floyd actually dead, according to your theory? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to say for sure. I, all I can say is there was no sirens. There was no usual right. overreaction over that the police, when, when something like that happens, they're going to quarantine the whole area and arrest any, anybody right. around. Is going to be, gonna start, you know, they, they didn't do, where are the helicopters? Where's all the, 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 all right. overrea- the um, all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Procedural reaction they usually do. I got you. Thanks for the call, Aaron. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Mike in L.A. Hang on, Mike. Where are you here? There we go. Mike in L.A., welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. I feel like a young man again because this is like the 60s when I was reporting on this stuff for first a college paper and then for my mm. uh, Ritter reg. Mm. And some things that I think may be repeating themselves, one is... Back in the 60s, we had Asians provocateurs like Tommy the Traveler, who went from city to city, urging leftists to bomb things. And uh, we also had a president who hired people, fake demonstrators, to throw rocks at him Mm. so that he would uh, be improved in his election chances. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised to find that sort of thing happening in some of these sites. And uh, then, as now, the worst thing to be is an innocent bystander because you are a convenient, soft target for frustrated people, whether they are cops or civilians. And a lot of frustrated people around nowadays, after two months or three months of COVID-19 lockdown, and as far as the press being attacked by police, uh, I remember East L.A. riots where the there were two fatalities that I know of. One was a guy from Austria who is part of the international youth uh, movement, mm-hmm. shot by a riot gun mm-hmm. on uh, Whittier Boulevard. The other was Ruben Salazar, who was a L.A. Times reporter, mm. who was sitting, uh, fittingly enough for a reporter, on a bar stool in the silver dollar 
bar when a sheriff's deputy, for some reason, decided to shoot a tear gas round into the bar and hit him on the head. Oh, man. Everything old is new again. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate your uh, your perspective on that. Uh, stay safe out there, my friend. Really appreciate the call. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Chris in Los Angeles. Hey, Chris, welcome to the broadcast. Brad, Mike was so well-spoken, it's hard to follow him. Yeah, he was. I'm in West Hollywood. I just crossed Crescent Heights and Sunset. Mm-hmm. National Guard's on the corners. Um, business owners started early boarding up, so obviously social media had alerted everybody to this. Um, generally, nature, people, they know fairness. They feel, they can feel if they're being treated fairly. And I, This is across all colors, all creeds. I'm in West Hollywood. This is progressive talk. People know when they're treated fairly. And in America, in particular, we're not treated fairly from every institution when teachers have to teach the tests, so those are young kids getting a bad start, to expensive universities, to unpaid internships, to waiting in line at the DMV for six hours, to trying to get you know your corporations to cooperate with you on customer service. I'm just old enough to have preceded phone trees. I knew what customer-customer, person-to-person treatment was like. And those things are all out the window. Now we're supposed to be empowered through voting. Through voting. And we see what, how inconvenient and difficult and shameful even voting is. I... Well, let me, let me just correct you on one point there. Voting is not shameful, but the way they have set it up uh, in many regards is shameful. The, the obstacles that they have put in the way of the people expressing their will is shameful. Um, and that, like so much else, uh, we need to overcome, Chris. I got to let you go. I want to. Uh, thanks. I really appreciate the call. I want to fit in as many Thank folks you. as I can here. Uh, thanks. Stay safe out there. Uh, and by the way, remember those uh, National Guard people, those are sort of those are local folks um, who have been activated. They are not necessarily part of the um, police state, as we might think of it. Yeah, they're wearing camouflage. Yeah, they're holding long guns. Yeah, they're uh, driving in uh, in Humvees. I hope they're OK, uh, but I, 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 I don't know if they should be seen in the same way that uh, – um, many of the police who are they're not actually doing policing per se. I think they are there to protect property. They're not the ones who are rounding up uh, protesters and firing into the crowds and so forth. Um, but I could be wrong. Uh, once again, a reminder here in Los Angeles uh, on Monday night, there is now a countywide curfew that was that is either at 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. It's a little bit confusing. Uh, I think it's safe to presume it is at 5 p.m., uh, so stay safe out there. Let me go to uh, Bill in Lake Elsinore very quickly. Let's see how many we can get to. Uh, hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast, sir, very quickly. Thank you, Brad. Let's, let's um, remember not to racialize this. We're all in this together. Yep. Um, they're going to come after anybody or anybody who's not part of their uh, paradigm and um, – don't racialize this. I know white supremacists are talking about going down there and firing on people at Fairfax, and that's just to disgust me. These people are still supporting Trump, 
it's just mindless. I can't believe it. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, you know, I had meant to mention this, but as I, it, it, with the little bit of uh, of protest porn that I did watch over the weekend on the cable stations, uh, most of the protests that I saw all across the country were white, mostly white people. Uh, you know, all races, very diverse crowds. But in Minneapolis, for example, it was mostly uh, white folks up there. Yes, Desi Doyen, you yeah, got a thought? Yeah, and I have to say, I go in on that as well. The, many of the videos that I saw from around different places in the country, it was uh, white people, white men mostly, who were attacking the stores and uh, the, trying to break windows. And it was the black protesters who were trying to stop them, mm. saying, you're going to make us look bad. This is not us doing this. This is not right. Uh, do we have time? Very quickly, let me go to uh, one or two more. We're going to have to be really quick about it. Julio in L.A., welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for letting me be and speaking. In. Sure. Quickly, what's yes, up? I, uh, yes, I wanted to talk about those little kids. You know, they are like uh, 20 and 22, 23, like a bunch of, even they have the car, you know, packing in the in their, uh, uh, stores and go to the car and your storage and come back and come back. I mean, I want to mention that because that is, that is not good. That is not good. A, a lot of this is not good, Julio. I concur. I mean, a lot of this is very bad. But, you know, I guess I'll just have to stand next to Don Rumsfeld and say, hey, stuff happens when you uh, uh, repress people for generations. Let me go one more. I got time for one more uh, very quickly here. Uh, Morris, our old friend Mo in Long Beach. Hey, Mo, very quickly. Welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Shalom, Havarim. And what we're witnessing in America is, is a public mourning. And the next time the leader of the free world should speak, just think of feces. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> Thank you, Morris. Uh, of course, in his, uh, in his, when he talked to Desi there before he came on the air, his message was register to vote. Apparently, he forgot that part. So I'll put that in there. Hey, register to vote. Check the address on your registration, even if you are registered to vote, because you're probably, especially in California, you're going to be getting, getting a vote-by-mail ballot this year, whether you want one or not. And let's make sure that it goes to the right place, namely to you. Uh, I do have to get out. We're up against the top of the hour here. So uh, my thanks to everyone who called in. My apologies to those of you who I could not get to. I tried. We'll try again uh, as soon as possible. Until then, you can reach me on the Twitters, if you like, and the Facebooks. I am the Brad Blog. You'll find me there in both places. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our board operator today, Kiana Williams, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always greatly appreciated. It is our honor. Uh, to be on your public airwaves. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And that's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I hope, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.